great to be with you today. If you don't know me, my name's Stan, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, it's been a big, big week, hasn't it? We had the, the, the funeral of the queen, and then, of course, the grand final yesterday, which wasn't that big a deal. It was, uh, yeah, probably not worth watching. But uh, what was your highlight for the week? What was your highlight? Kids, tell your parents if you're in the room. What was your highlight for the week? The best thing that happened to you this week? For me, the highlight of my week wasn't the grand final. It wasn't the queen's funeral. Uh, it, it may have been uh, Pastor Enneke's help uh, getting across the platform just now. I have to think about that a little bit. But on Tuesday, Deanna and I were taking a walk. And uh, as we uh, do along the footpath, and behind us, we hear the ding, 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 ding. You know, what, what, what is that ding, ding? It's a bicycle. How many think bicycles should not be on the footpath? How many think they shouldn't be on the footpath and the road? How many think they should make a decision and stick with it? Okay, that's where I'm at. It's a full disclosure. Anyway, we heard the ding, ding. And then I felt really bad for being annoyed at the ding, ding. Because this little kid who was about six years old or so came past us and then stopped pretty much right in front of us, almost falling off of his bike. So, yeah, I'm feeling really, really bad at that moment. And then mom on her bike with two other kids passes us by. And the, the kid that was on the back of the bike turned facing us, smiled real big. Hey, you know, and everything. So I'm feeling really bad about being annoyed by bicycles <laughs> So then back to the kid who's almost falling off his bike, he stopped and he reached down and he pulled up a weed. It was yellow, so it looked like a flower. He thought it was a flower. And he picked that up. Now, mom and the other bubs are still going. They, they left him. So he picks up the flower and then he starts running on his bike like this on the, on the ground until it was fast enough to put his feet on the pedals. And then he's pedaling his little heart out hard as he could to catch up with mom. And then he gave her the weed. Oh, it was a beautiful moment. She had no idea what he had gone through to make that gesture. And, you know, I said that was the highlight of my week because it made my heart feel good. It was one of those feel-good moments. And you might think, but that's pretty simple. Why would that make you feel good? Well, it made me feel good because living in our world today doesn't always make us feel good, does it? Living can be difficult. There are lots of problems, lots of reasons every day to be annoyed, like bicycles going ding, ding on the footpath. Lots of opportunities to be disappointed, frustrated, stressed out, and anxious. And that moment was an opportunity to see a family enjoying life. It was just a, a simple moment that makes your heart feel good. See, we often miss out on recognizing the simple pleasures in life and the nice moments because in reality, life can be hard, right? Kids, do you know life can be hard? Raise your hand if you know life can be hard, kids. Yep, okay, you just wait. <laughs> yeah, life can be hard. Just the things that we do every day to survive, to meet our basic human needs of food, water, shelter, safety, rest, Free Wi-Fi can stress us out to no end. And then, once that's robbed us of our joy, 
Life gets really complicated when we go beyond living to living together. Right? You look confused. You don't know that this is true? Life gets more complicated when we're living together? Of course it does. Well, I've got good news for you today. We're in the middle of a series called Living Together. And we hope that we can help you explore ways that we can live together in healthy relationships and navigate the difficulties. If you missed last week, Pastor Anna Kay kicked us off. Go back to our social medias and all those places on our website, YouTube channels, and uh, catch up on the series. If you're on social media, you've seen something called a relationship status, right? And there's a bunch of different statuses. There might be single, there might be engaged, there might be married, and my favorite is this one, it's complicated, right? You know why that's my favorite one? Because I think you could throw all the others away and just say it's complicated. Whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're engaged or whether you're whatever, it's complicated. Evidence of how complicated life is came to me when I was preparing this week. And I just did a quick search on defining family. And here's the conclusion, okay? Family is complicated. Is family complicated? Do you already know that? Have I taught you something new this morning already? Well, the Australian Bureau of Statistics defines family. Several pages worth of defining family. Here's their, their simple definition. Two or more people, one of whom is at least 15 years old, who are related by blood, marriage, registered or de facto, adoption, step or fostering, and who usually reside in the same household. All right, so that's their simple definition. And then they said, okay, well, we need to define household because we just said you're living in the same household. Household means this, one or more persons, at least one of whom is at least 15 years of age, usually resident in the same private dwelling. All right, so you got, you got all that? Simple, right? No, it's complicated already, but they go further, all right? And then they have all these different types of families. There's the blended family, the couple family, the intact family, the step family, couple-only family, one-parent family, the other family, and then we have the extended family. Family, friends, is complicated. When we think about extended family, We've got grandparents and aunties and uncles, cousins, adult siblings and in-laws. And the more individuals you add into a mix, the more complicated things get because we have different personalities. And not, not to mention the different personalities and things. Just if everybody was similar, you've still got the relationships. You've got the birthdays to remember and you've got all the traditions that everybody's done all their life. And then we've got to blend all of those somehow and we can't overstep here and we can't overstep there because we're going to mess up somebody else's tradition. And, th- and family is complicated. Our population is full of immigrants In our church, there's lots of immigrants, lots of people away from nuclear and extended families. Quick survey. How many in the room and online? You can type it online. I wasn't born in Australia. Uh, We're not born in Australia. Raise your hand. Lots of people. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right. Keep your hand up if you weren't born in Australia and you have extended family that still lives overseas. Okay. Most of those hands still up. Lots of people. 
Lots of people. Okay, thank you, thank you. You know, that's a tremendous opportunity for us to consider when we think about family, to consider one that I didn't put up there as surrogate family, where we have adopted mothers and fathers and grandparents and aunties and uncles and cousins to do life together with. This morning as I was uh, coming out and I was running around getting ready uh, to, to start the service, I, I saw my, my little friend Lala. Yeah, yeah, I talked to Lala this morning, Pastor Inike. That was great. And, and I found out that when I come up here, little Lala says, Papa. Oh, oh, yeah. And she did that just so that I'd have an illustration this morning to tell you about. That, that was awesome. So sweet, so sweet. As you might expect, you're in church, and that means God must have something to say about family. He's got a fair bit to say about family, and we actually talk about family a fair bit here, right? Don't we? If you've been here for very long, you know we talk about family fairly regularly, because family is the basic institution that God has set up for society. When he created man, one of the first observations he had was it wasn't good for man to be alone, right? And so he made a woman, and then he told them this. He said, be fruitful and multiply, okay? I'm going to paraphrase that, so forgive, give me a lot of grace here, okay? I'm, I'm warning you. Give me grace. If you don't want to give me grace, plug your ears right now, all right? I'm going to paraphrase, be fruitful and multiply to go make your life more complicated than you could ever imagine. <laughs> Is that true? Sure. You know, when, when we first start our families, all you young parent wannabes, you newlyweds and that, and you're thinking you're going to have young kids and everything, and you're so excited. It's going to be so cute, and it's going to be so fun and everything, and it's going to be so complicated. Yeah, it is. Let me tell you, it's going to be great. Come talk to me when you need to. Now, we could uh, go to a few different passages uh, in Scripture and come up with some kind of formula for healthy family relationships. And those passages we would go to would give us some really, really good principles. And they would be helpful. But they would also be extremely frustrating at times. And we've done some of these, okay? The reason they'd be frustrating is because when you start comparing your dysfunctional family to the perfect patterns of family that are described in Scripture... If you take that in isolation, then you're just going to give up and say, there's no way this can work. So today, we're going to look at some other families in Scripture. We're going to look at what Scripture has to say about family. And what we're going to learn is family is not only complicated, but family is also challenging. Because it's complicated, it's going to be challenging. And everyone on the planet who is a part of a family said, amen. It's challenging. Type it in the chat, guys online. There are many reasons for this. I think one of the, uh, re, uh, the greatest reasons that family relationships are more difficult than any other is because we don't get to choose our families. You're just born into it, and you have to live with what you got. And some of you think, man, I wish I'd gotten better than that, right? But it's also challenging, I believe, because, get this now, we spend so much time together. Now you're thinking, Pastor Shane, you don't want families to spend time together? Yes, I do want families to spend time together. But when we spend time together, as much as families do, it is quite challenging. Because there are different personalities and there are different agendas and people want different things individually. And when you bring that together and you live 24-7 together, we learned that during COVID, right? That did a number on families. 
having to spend that much time together. One thing I tell parents regularly when they come talk to me and they talk about, oh, we can't go out for a date or we can't get away for a couple of days and things because of the kids and I'd feel bad like I'm a bad parent. It's like, you're a bad parent if you don't do that. Your kids need a break from you. All the kids said yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a fun lunchtime today. Oh. They need a break from you just as much as you need a break from them. And they enjoy spending time with aunties and uncles and cousins, not grandparents, right? <laughs> oh, just kidding, just kidding. Oh. Hey, the challenges we often face in families demonstrate to us, and they're, and they're born out of this, that family is a breeding ground for conflict, it's a breeding ground for conflict. Conflict in the family is as old as humanity. Now, I'm not going to describe some of these situations in full today. You can go and read them for yourselves in Scripture because we've got the kids here, so I'm going to handle it a little bit gently. But the first family had one brother who didn't like the other one and took care of that. Genesis chapter 4. Go read that for yourself. Before the family, the kids were even being born, the man and the woman started blaming each other for bringing sin into the world when they're talking to God. Family conflict, it's a recurring theme in scriptures. If you're doing the, the uh, uh, Seeking Jesus Together quiet time tool, today's quiet time shows that, that Jacob and Esau, they were born in conflict. They were born to create two huge nations, and there was conflict right from the start, and mom liked one best, and dad liked the other one best, and that fueled the conflict, and it was a mess. Go read Genesis chapter 25. If you want to know more about that one. And then the most extreme example, there was a lady named Athalia in 2 Kings chapter 11. And she was part of the royal family. And she had kids and she had grandkids. And she wanted to sit on the throne. But her kids and her grandkids had the right to the throne. She took care of that. Go look up 2 Kings chapter 11 on your own time. You'll see how she did that. Now, all of those things that we see in Scripture about families that were challenging Families that had conflict should make you feel better already about your family because you didn't do any of the things those families did to each other. See, family conflict happens when members of the family get in the way of what other members of the family want. When there's a desire for one thing, but this family member doesn't desire the same thing, there is going to be conflict. Some family conflicts are inevitable. And get this, okay? Jesus, who's the answer to everything, right, kids? Right? Anytime you ask a question, Jesus is the answer. Do you know Jesus said, I came to be a source of conflict in your family? Did you know that? Look at this. Matthew chapter 10. Don't imagine, this is Jesus talking now. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. That's Jesus talking. He says, I came for that. Now, how many of you read that and say, that explains everything about my family? See, this happens when a family member embraces Christ and maybe someone else in the family rejects Christ. Sometimes people, when they decide to follow Jesus, can be estranged from their family for that. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. Some will choose to follow me. Some will choose not to follow me. And that's going to create division and conflict in your family. So because family relationships are so important and so volatile, scriptures give us lots of clear instructions to each family member. And you can look these up. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 tells us a lot. It says husbands are to love their wives. It says wives are to respect their husbands. It says children are to obey their parents in everything. It says parents are to bring up their children in the Lord and not frustrate them. Proverbs chapter 17 says that grandparents are to delight in their grandchildren and share their wisdom with them. That's why grandparenting is so much better than parenting was because now you have wisdom to share. So living together with family is complicated. It's challenging. And it includes heaps of conflict. One possible Solution I found this week might be of interest to you. Watch this video. Are you sick and tired of your family? Do holiday get-togethers seem unbearable? Then you need the Family Survival Kit. New from the makers of Date Be Gone and Rent-A-Kid, it's the Family Survival Kit, filled with tons of family neutralizing goodness. Like the criticism canceling headphones, Harsh words go in, but compliments come out. Why can't you be more like your sister? She's always been here when- I am so proud. You are perfect just the way you are. I love you. Creeped out by over-affectionate dance? Not anymore with Family Off, specially formulated to repel unwanted affection. <gasps> now, how much would you pay? Never be asked for money again with the Mooch Whistle. It sounds out a high-pitched sound that only Mooches can hear. They'll be too confused to ask for anything. Undisciplined children are no problem at all with sleepy time brat darts. Just lift, aim, and blow for a whole 24 hours of brat-free living. But wait, there's more! Unsure of what to say to emotionally unavailable family members? Then let an expert say it for you with Dr. Phil in a can. Are you avoiding reality? Do you resent your children? Do you realize that this is a big problem? You can't change what you don't acknowledge. Thanks, Dr. Phil. If all else fails, use our patented nuclear family love grenade. Just pull the pin, toss it in, and let nitrous oxide put the fun back in dysfunction. So call this number and get your family survival kit today. So that's one possible solution, and it actually kind of goes along with what Pastor Deanna was telling you about earlier. It's budget time, so we're actually thinking about this as a revenue stream uh, to, to sell those, right? So if you want those, sign up in the four-year. I'm, I'm joking. We're actually, those don't exist, but uh, if you find family relationships challenging, I got some good news for you, or actually some not-so-good news for you, that it actually gets even better because Jesus' teaching about family was very unique. When he talks about family, it's often about leaving family and division within family. And you can cover some of that in your life groups this week with the questions that you're going to get. But Jesus redefines family completely. He says this, someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. So is Jesus saying biological family is not important here? Is Jesus dismissing his mother and brothers? I would suggest to you that, of course, he's not. But what he's doing, he's making the point that 
family in the kingdom of heaven is bigger. That it's not just your biological family. It's everyone who is a follower of Jesus. He's saying, everyone who follows me, everyone who obeys me, everyone who is my disciple, they are your family. They are your brothers. They are your sisters. Matthew 10 that we looked at before, Jesus is prioritizing the spiritual family over the physical family. Repeatedly in the New Testament, we see believers referred to as brothers or sisters. And some people still use that today. They'll say, Brother Enneke or Sister Deanna and, and stuff like that. And uh, that, to me, that just sounds a little bit weird. But it's okay if you do that. You, you can be weird. Um, but family was part of New Testament culture. The church as a family. What we had learned here is that family is community. It's the church. It's your tribe. It's your village. Whatever words you want to use for it. But family includes more than your biological family. John, who was one of Jesus' followers, said it like this. John chapter 1. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You see, John is telling us that when we are born physically, we're born into a physical family. We don't get to choose that. Some of us have differing levels of uh, uh, affection and love and all that in our families. That's your physical family. But when you're born again, when you are reborn, that's, if you've heard that term born again around church people, that's where we get it from. It's when we're reborn. It's not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul says that we are adopted into God's family. So if we are adopted into God's family, that makes God our father. What does that make Jesus, who is the son of God? It makes Jesus our brother, right? So if Jesus is your brother and your brother and your brother and your brother, your brother, your brother, and my brother, that means that you're my sister and my brother and my sister and my brother. And all. you get the picture here, right? Is this too complicated? I'm trying to simplify family because the ABS really overcomplicated it for us. But anyway, another example of this. Deanna has a sister who, when she writes cards and things, she signs it off sisters times two. She's a physical sister of Deanna, but she's also a spiritual sister of Deanna. So the spiritual family, it's not bound by our biology, ethnicity, or any social construct or, or de, uh, definition. The physical family is the foundational building block. God put that there together. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be protected. But it doesn't stop there. It includes our spiritual family. And the church is that family. It's made up of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that follow Jesus. So Jesus valued biological family and spiritual family. Some of his last words, when he was hanging on the cross, he said this. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the, beside the disciple Jesus loved, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here's your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. See, we have a beautiful picture here of Jesus acknowledging both at the same time and blending them both together. He was taking care, making sure to look after his physical mother, and he was using his spiritual brother to take care of that. You see that? 
It's a beautiful picture of family, the way God defines it in this community. So today you might be asking, what does this have to do with living together as family? Well, God compares his church to a family. So what we would do for physical family members, we need to be willing to do for broader family members, for people in our spiritual community, our spiritual family. Your family is bigger than you think. It's time for you to redefine that in your mind because it is a community and it's complicated, it's challenging, and it will have times of conflict. So the question that we need to, to land on today is how do we live together in this complicated, challenging, conflict-laden community? You want the answer? Anybody want an answer to that? Or you're okay with it? All right. Oh, mate, okay. You don't need the answer. I'll, I can wait and do it next week. I think you need the answer because I know some of you. I know your families. I know my family. We need this. You know, families don't have to agree on everything. An absence of conflict in a family doesn't necessarily mean the family is healthy. They could be ruled by an authoritarian dictator kind of person that won't allow for any expressions of disagreement or, or anything like that. Healthy families provide a place, a safe place for every member to express their feelings and thoughts and ideas, opinions, and their desires. God designed the family to be a place where every member feels loved and valued, where differences can be acknowledged and resolved, where inevitable conflicts can be peacefully resolved. To be a spiritual family gives us a big advantage on how to deal with this conflict, the conflicts and the challenges here. In Galatians chapter 5, it tells us that we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And there is evidence of that that happens that actually gives us some keys here. The evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you is this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's your formula. All right, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, then you will exhibit all these things and your family will be perfect and all your relationships will be easy, right? It's not quite that simple. But this reminds me, this list here in Galatians 5 reminds me of another list in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it shows us how love responds to this complicated, challenging, conflict-laden community. It says this, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That, my friends, is what love does. It sounds a lot like being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to love like this. See, in our relationships, these things that are vital because we all have expectations of other people in our relationships. Do you understand that? Even if you think you don't, you have expectations. And often our experience is different than our expectations. And what that does is it creates a gap. When our expectations are different than our experience, it creates a gap. And you get to choose what you put in the gap. You can put resentment, anger, bitterness, and, and all those kinds of things in that gap if you want because they didn't live up to your expectations. Or you can 
put some love in it, okay? Because love fills the gap with grace. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It means love fills this gap with grace. It says it doesn't delight in conflict, rejoices in truth. That's the same word as grace, same root word. And it says that it always protects. It always protects the relationship. It values that relationship so much that it says, I'm going to choose not to accuse you or condemn you because I value the relationship too much to make this issue something that's going to damage that. It says it always hopes. It expects good rather than bad. It doesn't always assume the worst. It always assumes the best. When there's a gap, we're going to assume there's a reasonable explanation. And it always perseveres. It doesn't give up on someone. That's what love does. That's how love fills that gap. When you've done what was expected a hundred times before, when you've not done what was expected a hundred times before, I'm not going to assume that you're going to do it 101 times. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to assume that just because you wronged me in the past, you're not necessarily going to wrong me the next time. I'm going to keep investing. So living together in a family, biological and spiritual, how do we do that? Because it's a community that's bigger than you thought when you came in this morning. When you hear the word family, think about your community, your faith community. It's way more complicated than you ever imagined. It's challenging, and it's ridden conflict. So how do we live together in this complicated, challenging, conflict-laden community? Simple. It really is simple. We fill the gap with grace. That's it. If you didn't listen to the rest of the message, wake up right now and I'll repeat this one more time. How do we live together in this complicated, challenging, conflict-laden community called a family? We fill the gap with grace. If every time you get annoyed, every time you get frustrated, every time you get stressed out and angry because someone else didn't live up to your expectations or because they had a different idea or different opinion than you did about the way something should be done, before you express that, before you let that overflow onto them and everybody else, pause and fill the gap with grace. Father, thank you so much that you chose to fill the gap with grace for us. Lord, we certainly do not live in a way that pleases you all the time. Lord, we certainly do not meet the expectations and the standards that you set forth. But Lord, you, because you loved us, and still wanted relationship with us, you filled the gap with grace when you sent Jesus. And Lord, by his blood and in his power, you continue to fill the gap. Every day when we fail you, when we don't live up to your standards, Lord, you keep filling the gap with grace. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Praise your name for that. Now, Lord, we are weak and needy people. We are not as powerful as you. We're not as loving as you. We're not as kind as you. But we would beg you to give us a bit of your power 
to demonstrate your love to other people in such a way that allows us to fill the gap with grace so we can live together in a complicated, challenging, full of conflict world. Thank you for this community. And Lord, there's so many blessings that we have because we're a family. Lord, help us not to throw those away because we don't have enough grace. We're not willing to give enough grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us.